Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, goalies, and welcome back to the Goalie Hacks audio experience, Goalie Hacks podcast. Here are your host, Mike Santaguida, join you all once again on this show. And welcome to another week of the show, and, and this week featuring former college and pro standout uh, turned coaching standout now, having coached several Goalie of the Year award winners during his time in the USHL. And that coach is Matt Zaba. And Matt is a great guy who just really understands the game at a deep level. Uh, had an incredibly strong career, being named the Goalie of the Year three years in a row over in Europe. Uh, as well as winning a championship in the Italian League. And in this conversation, we dive into his journey uh, from college, junior to college, to pro hockey, into the NHL, and his mindset when he pivoted to play over in Europe, what exactly separates the Goal of the Year award winners from everyone else, and how exactly you can find your way in this crowded world of goaltending we live in today. And Matt is originally from Western Canada, now living in Colorado Springs, and it's just a really great goalie mind that I was uh, super glad to have on the show today. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one, so we're not going to waste any time. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat. Matt and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm super excited to be joined today by another former incredible goaltender turned coach at the next level now. And that gentleman is Matt Zaba. And after growing up in Western Canada, making his junior debut in 2001 for the Penticton Panthers, in his second season of junior hockey, he won the Goaltender of the Year Award and was named MVP of the Interior Division with the Vernon Vipers. And after graduating from junior, he then moved on to play four years and over 100 games in Division I college hockey with Colorado College. And after moving on and graduating from school, he went on to have a very successful pro career playing a game in the NHL, over 65 games in the AHL, and over 30 games in the ECHL before making a move overseas. And during his five-year tenure in Europe, he played over 250 games, winning the Goalie of the Year Award three years in a row two times in Italy and once in the Austrian League, as well as a pro championship in Italy in 2012. And since retiring, Matt has gone on to coach at the next level uh, uh, two years at Colorado College and several years in the USHL now, having coached a handful of the Goalie of the Year award winners during his time. And he also runs his own school called Mountain High Hockey. And I've heard amazing things and couldn't be more excited welcoming him to the show today to chat some goalie development. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, well, right on and, and great to have you on. And, and shout out to Rob Liddell for suggesting Matt and just an amazing fit for the program. Really excited to jump into to your journey, as I mentioned before, and, and everything today. But uh, maybe if you don't mind just detailing to everyone, we kind of start off the episodes like this. Um, just some of the major challenges you and your goalies have had to overcome due to COVID this past season and how you guys overcame those challenges. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a challenging year for everyone just with a lot of the rinks being shut down. Um, we were pretty fortunate um, in Colorado that we actually opened up our own training facility February 1st. Um, I think COVID hit when they kind of put the stay-at-home orders in Colorado. It would have been like a month later. Um, so we were actually able to stay in business a little while longer than most people, which nice. was probably... Um, just super good timing on our part. Definitely lucky. Um, so we didn't really have to shut down for, for that long compared yeah. to other people. So it worked out really well for us and our oh. goal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, great, man. And, and I wish you and, and your team and your goaltenders the best of luck as we kind of roll into the summer and the recruiting season. Uh, but obviously, I gave you a nice intro, but maybe you could just start off and briefly share a bit of your background and your story and how we got to where we are today. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. That's where I played all my minor hockey all the way up through uh, midget AAA. Um, once I aged out of midget, I decided to move um, to the BCHL. I was recruited by the Penticton Panthers at the time, who are now the V's. I played yep. there my first year, predominantly in a backup role. Um, ended up getting traded um, prior to the next season to the Vernon Vipers. And mm-hmm. I'd say for me, that's kind of where things t- uh, took off a little bit. We had a really good team. We ended up winning the uh, league championship was able to get my scholarship to Colorado college. Um, and yeah, from there just signed three years professionally, basically all one year contracts with the Rangers, um, before heading over to Europe. And once I was kind of done my last year in Vienna, one of my best friends, he still lives in Colorado. He was, um, hounding me to move back because I think he wanted a fishing buddy. So I decided <laughs> to move back to Colorado for the summer and I was rehabbing from surgery and their coaches would uh, come down into the gym when I was rehabbing and they'd be asking me if I was interested in coaching. And finally one day I just walked up to Coach Havlin's office. I just told him I was in and we've been in Colorado for, I guess, ever since. And we're going on seven years now. Yeah, well, a very successful run there. And I'm sure it's uh beautiful spot i've been there as well it's kind of once once you live there and you experience the the mountains and everything it's kind of hard to turn away from the scenery out there right yeah like i knew after going um to school at cc and and living in colorado springs i knew that it was definitely a spot where i wanted to live the rest of my life once we were kind of done with the playing stuff i mean the people are great I mean, the weather's awesome. Mm-hmm. The scenery's great. There's just so much, uh, so much the state has to offer that. I mean, we're very fortunate to live here now. Yeah, yeah. Well, right on, man. And I guess looking back at you know, when you first made your junior b- uh, debut in the BCHL with Penticton, uh, you know, what exactly was the hardest part about transitioning to junior hockey, and where exactly did you struggle the most initially? Yeah, I think like that first year of juniors for myself probably would have been. Um, one of the more mentally challenging years for myself. Mm-hmm. It was my first year um, not living at home. So it was my first year building. Um, it was my first year really being a, a backup um, yeah. for a long time where I would go long stretches without playing. I was playing behind a 20-year-old goalie at the time who, I mean, it was his last year of junior. So, I mean, he had a lot riding on that year. and Right. He, started the year like just got shot out of a can and just had an awesome first half Mm. of the year and I mean that kind of put me on the bench for a little bit so just kind of struggling to adapt to that and learning kind of how to I guess keep your game intact while not playing as much as you're used to um was difficult and I think just kind of maintaining confidence in yourself as well when you're Mm. going through long stretches without playing in the first year you're really going through that in your life. For a lot of guys, it can be pretty eye-opening. Um, yeah. But for myself, that was a huge, huge learning process for me. So how how did how did you kind of personally get over that or, or deal with the adversity that you faced that year? Um, I would say for me, it was probably. I mean, talking with my parents quite a bit, but I don't know if I really got over it that year. To be honest, I, right. I don't know if I if I ever really figured it out. Um, 
I think it was just a situation where you almost have to go through it a little mm. bit to, to understand kind of like what it takes to play at that next level. Mm. Um, so for me, I mean, looking back on it after everything was said and done, like it was definitely a negative experience at the time. Um, but now that I look back on, I mean, it was definitely something that was good to go through then because yeah. I think it taught me how to compete taught right. me how to battle, taught me how to like earn ice time and mm. and kind of make sure I'm ready for my opportunity, which um, helped me out for sure once I got to CC. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then even in your final year, junior, second year, you're named uh, the goalie of the year in the BCHL as well as the MVP of the interior division in the BCHL. But what do you think contributed? Uh, you know, obviously you mentioned going through that adversity, you know, kind of making you play with a, a bit, learning to play with a bit of chip on your shoulder, right? Um, but what do you think contributed so much to your personal success that second season can, uh, compared to your first one? Um, well, I think a lot of it was just the trade. I mean, I went back to Penticton um, and I got traded like right after training camp was over. And I remember just sitting in my billet house, all the guys were practicing and I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, I think I had a huge chip on my shoulder because I, I think the coach at the time um, in Penticton, I don't think he thought I was any good, to be honest. He traded me, <laughs> to, he traded me to the division rival right. um, of the team, which, I mean, I don't know why you'd help out your division rival. If <laughs> you were I, I'm very familiar playing the league too, so yeah, it's, it doesn't really make sense. So, so to be honest, I think, I think that just really lit a fire under me just to yeah. like, yeah, like how bad do these guys think I am? Like, right? Maybe they trade me after training camp, and B, they're sending me right up to the road to a team right. that would play <laughs> probably twelve <laughs> times a year. So, I mean, it was a huge motivation factor for me. I mean, yeah. and I think a lot of it too was just a fresh start, mm. um, which I needed at that time. I think when I look back on my career, if that trade doesn't happen, probably a lot of everything else doesn't happen either. Right. I think it just um let me clear my mind new coaches new teammates um kind of just that reset i needed and it it really catapulted me i think um the rest of the way for sure yeah it's like a a lot of people we have on the show they have that you know everybody sort of has that moment where you know that everybody's good kind of growing up in minor hockey and then they they have that first moment of adversity that kind of uh forges them in the fire so to say that you know, you kind of realize what it takes and you find that next level of drive and motivation and compete level, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing was coming to that realization. It's like, hey, everyone's getting pretty good at yeah. this level now. And like, how bad do I really want it? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was almost like a recommitment to yourself that like, hey, if I really want to make something out of this, like I'm going to have to work because. Yeah. Everyone else is putting in the time. Everyone else is good. The pyramid's getting smaller. There's only so many um, more spots in the Division One level and beyond that. I mean, if I'm not willing to put in the work and kind of really commit to it, um, someone else is going to. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess for kids looking to make a, a smooth transition to junior hockey, what do you think is the most important skill You know, they can start developing today to make sure they're ready for those challenges when they get there? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just like the mindset. I think um, with Mm -hmm. a lot of the kids that I go through now um, on the coaching side of it, everyone says they want to play 
junior hockey, but I don't think they really understand like what it takes and what that level of competition is a for those spots and the commitment. Some of these kids, these kids have. So Mm -hmm. I think you got to be able to have enough self-awareness. I think going into it, it's like, Hey, I'm going to put in the work a, or I guess a, I love it. B, I, this is something I really want to do. And that can't just be something that you say. It's like, hey, I want to play junior hockey. It's like, right. no, you really have to want to play junior hockey if you're trying to earn a spot um, in like the North American League, the USHL, the BCHL, right. Alberta, or whatever. Like you really have to be 100% committed because other kids are. Right. Um, so I think – I just think like knowing that level of commitment and when you think you're working hard, like you got to work extra because everyone's working hard now. Yeah, Um, Everyone's committed. So it's like, what are you doing? That's kind of pushing you above that next guy where you're going to earn that spot over somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are definitely days where obviously, uh, you know, if you're not passionate about kind of growing and getting better, you know, there's definitely days where you're not feeling it or you're not feeling up to it. And if you don't have that commitment to it, then there's somebody out there who's willing to kind of grind through those, those days where you're not feeling it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in, in 2000, you know, in 2003, head to Colorado college, uh, playing division one hockey. Uh, but in your first season as a freshman, where'd you struggle the most initially when you're, you're trying to uh, transition to division one hockey? Yeah. I mean, I think that was another year where, I mean, I was back in that backup role. Um, my goalie partner at CC was Curtis McElhaney right uh, <laughs> back up with uh, Tampa right now. And yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I was coming off of a big year in juniors. We won the league league MVP. And now you're transitioning to you're a freshman. Curtis is coming off an all American year where the team's ranked number one in the country. And it's like, okay, well now I'm really going to have to try to earn some ice. <laughs> um, and Curtis and I, I mean, we had a great relationship. The more I look yeah. back on those years as well, it was like, that could have been the biggest blessing for me because I think I learned, um, what it's like to have just an exceptional goalie partner where it's like, Hey, every practice is my game where I'm going to have to push. I'm going to have to make sure I'm dialed in because if I'm not, I know he is. Mm -hmm. And if he is, I'm not, I'm not playing. Right. Um, So I think the, like going through that situation again, where, I mean, I didn't play at all probably for the first month and a half, maybe two months. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, I caught a break and Mac got mono. And then that was oh, kind wow. of a chance to, to play and play a lot. And then by the time he was back, I'd kind of worked my way into more of like a rotation for the rest of that year. But right. I, the first probably two months, it was just like learning how to practice. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> practice the time again. And um, it was tough. It was tough that first few months for sure. Yeah, I know. And I think I went through a similar thing too. you know, I like uh, wasn't really slated to to play right away and, you know, sort of got a a similar break where, you know, had a good relationship with the other goalie and kind of got hurt. And that's where the opportunity kind of presents itself. Right. So maybe you can kind of detail to everyone like the true meaning of opportunity, the true meaning of being ready, because you kind of discussed it, you know, um, you know, and your, what you learn and how you grew in junior and really taking advantage of that opportunity. But I think there are a lot of kids out there that just think it's just going to, oh, if I fail, it'll keep coming, it'll keep coming. So 
what does that mean to be ready for that? And, and what kind of preparation does it take to an execution to, to seize that when it comes? And I think another thing is, is like, what does it look like? Everybody's constantly like, what does opportunity look like? Right. So maybe you can kind of just dive into this idea of being ready for your opportunity when it comes, even if you don't know when it's going to come. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge um, with the position because mm-hmm. right? there's always just one guy played, um, mm-hmm. you know, and if one guy's established already, like the college situation where there might be a senior ahead of you and you're the freshman or, or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that I could probably um, say when it comes to opportunity is that it will happen. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of, did you prepare for it. And mm-hmm. for some people that opportunity might not happen for a year. Maybe it doesn't happen for two years. Other guys, it happens like within two weeks. Right. Um, so the biggest thing is knowing that it is going to come and make sure you're ready for it, no matter when it might be. And that's probably the, the biggest mental challenge of the whole thing, because everybody mm-hmm. wants it. You know what I mean? You want of the course. opportunity, you want it soon. You're like, why hasn't it happened yet? And just to be able to stay in the moment and just like, A, trust yourself, trust your game, more worry about getting better mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe like, I have to get in the games. Like, hey, I just need to take care of my game. It's going to come. It's, I don't know when, but like, I need to make sure I'm ready because right. if it comes and I'm not ready and I didn't put in the work, well, then it's all over, yeah. you know? Um so that's the biggest thing is just like try not to overthink it uh, and just almost taking it like a day by day process as far as like, yeah. hey, like I just need to worry about getting better and not worried about necessarily like when's my playing time happen because right. it does yeah. happen for everybody. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things um, that I learned even going through pro. It's like. Hey, your opportunity is going to happen whether, but it's whether you're prepared for it or not. And a lot Mm -hmm. of guys, they sulk or they're not ready or they didn't take it as serious as they should. Mm -hmm. Something happens, an injury, sickness or whatever, boom, you weren't ready. Now your opportunity has gone. You might never get another one after that, or it might take years before you get it again. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge with the whole thing is just staying in the moment a little bit. Yeah, it's it's um, you know being willing to commit to the process, even though you yep. you can't necessarily foresee a timetable or that opportunity. It's just knowing, and um, you know, happened with me in like junior too, right? Like I remember when I was sixteen, and I was just you know uh, affiliating with uh, a team in the Ontario League. And, um, you know, I was practicing with them for like four or five months before I got a game, you know, and, um, I just, my, you mean my dad were talking about, it. he's like, you know, just be ready. Just keep, keep growing, keep getting better. Like, you know, and eventually your time will come. And when it comes, you're going to be ready for your time. And that's all we focused on. We didn't focus on the days that were passing. Oh, it's been four or five months. You know what I mean? Like, we were just like, okay, just make sure we're ready when it comes, make sure we're ready when it comes. And then boom. And then everything changes, right? So, you know, for, for, for kids out there, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's obviously tough mentally, like you mentioned too, right? Where you're kind of just like, you really can't foresee when it's going to come, but that's just a part of the position, a part of the process, right? Yep. No question. Yeah. 
And then, and then for kids looking to make a smooth transition to college hockey, you know, what's a skill you think they should be working on today that's, uh, you know, transferable that you think will prepare them for the challenges when they finally get there? Yeah, I mean, college is obviously, I think, I think the jump from juniors to college, I, I know like a couple people on your podcast have said this similar thing where I don't think the jump from juniors to college is maybe necessarily as big from like AAA to juniors. Right, for but sure. But I think getting to college and learning that, A, you're dealing with older older guys, you're dealing with like classes, mm-hmm. time management, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest thing right out of the gate is just learning how to manage your schoolwork your sleep schedule, your practice habits, like your eating mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and just being, I think, mature about your game, but also mature about like where you are in that stage of life now. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, I thought for me, there were times at CC, the first probably month of school where <laughs> I was like, telling my dad, I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm getting through this. Like with the amount of workload <laughs> that we have and like CC is a liberal arts school. It's small, yeah. it's a ton of reading. And it's like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to last right. <laughs> three months, let alone four years. And then learning how to like, all right, I have school. Now I got to go hockey and you're trying to balance all these things. Yeah. I think it's like, you got to become like a detailed oriented person just mm. in life. So like similar to what you would be about like, how you're developing as a goalie, like your routine or whatever, you got to apply that kind of to your everyday life as well and become sort of regimented because you only have so much time in the day. And now you've got all these things you're trying to balance. Um, if you don't kind of figure that out, I feel like that's where guys struggle more, which does lead into struggles on the ice a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, I mean, it's not really a hockey thing. It'd be more just like, hey, time management thing, yeah. learning how to take care of yourself. Um, and even to, learning how to, to deal with all the distractions that come with college yeah, too, right? A hundred percent. I mean, as you know from school, I mean, you can, you're not a normal student. I mean, yeah. as much as you want to be, I mean, you're not. Like you have to have obligations with your academics to make sure that you're staying eligible. Mm-hmm have your team obligations and and you got to be able to perform Mm -hmm. at the same time so yeah you got to be smart you got to pick your spots a little bit um you still want to be able to enjoy it because it is the best four years um you'll go through um but it's just learning how to kind of manage it all um is probably the biggest step i would say for kids who are coming from juniors who you literally go to practice yeah that's it (laughs) that's it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a life even in pro it's it's nice like that but you got it's it's all about like you said it's about those details and and you know learning to kind of build your own schedule and your own regimen and then you get to college and it's basically all built for you but it's like crazy over i was the same way i was like oh my goodness i don't even know how i'm gonna make it through this and then next thing you know four years flies by and you're like wow i did it i just take it a day at a time right yeah exactly yeah. And then the remainder of your college career, you know, you go on to play four years in over a hundred games with the squad. Um, but looking back sort of at your development, you know, in the big picture, you know, where do you think you made the, the biggest transition or adjustment in terms of your development and growth that, that you think allowed you, uh, you know, to prepare for the challenges of pro hockey? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like playing with Curtis, um, I thought was massive for me. Um, mm-hmm. Cause everyone wants to go in a situation where you're the man you're playing, you know what I mean? But like yeah, for sure, 
for myself, like learning how to compete on a daily basis against someone like him, I mean, it just set me up as far as pro hockey goes. Yeah. Um, because you're going to have to do that at pro mm-hmm. hockey. Everyone's good. There's no just, hey, um, I mean, yeah, for some guys there, but for the majority of guys, you're all grinding. You're grinding yeah, for sure. the other guys. You're learning how to compete daily. There's not much separation. Um, and I thought for myself, like having to do that against Curtis um, for two years, that really like changed my mindset about things where mm-hmm. when coaches would ask me later on um, playing pro in Europe, they'd ask me about splitting time or having a goalie partner who's whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Like I've done in my whole career. Like it's, and I think people actually really respected that. Yeah. It shows um, confidence, right? Yeah. I think it shows confidence. I mean, there was no entitlement. Like my, uh, my thought process all the time was just, yeah, it doesn't matter to me if we're splitting time at the start of the year, cause I'm going to be your guy at the playoffs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's Winter all that, really, what all, that's really all that mattered to me. Yeah. Especially Once I got to Europe, I was like, yeah, I'll split time with whoever, but I know, once playoffs start, like that net's mine and I'm not getting out of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think learning that compete and understanding that, Hey, you're going to have to bring it daily. If you want to mm-hmm. make something out of this was mm-hmm. like so helpful for me as I transitioned into pro. Yeah. Yeah. They're literally in, in pro hockey. It's like uh, coaches are watching in practice. Like who are we going to play this week? And you know, usually it's uh, the guy who wins plays type of thing. You know, it's super competitive and, you know, there's always uh, guys going up and guys coming down, lots of transactions, kind of similar to junior, even more so, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, I mean, I know my first year pro, I remember probably the first like three months um, I was in the East Coast League pretty much my whole first year I mean I would get called up fairly regularly but I never would play so it was a situation where I would go down to or I'd be in the east coast league something would happen in Hartford I'd get called up wouldn't play I'd be practicing for maybe like a week get sent Mm -hmm. down play one game would suck get called back up to Hartford practice (laughs) again and I just remember like the mental grind of that where I never felt like I was a part of any team that year right honest at the start they're using you right i just i was like just felt like i was in no man's land a little bit i didn't feel like i was on a team my game was in shambles because i never really got settled in anywhere i was living in like a hotel then back to my apartment then back to a hotel and it actually wasn't until i got loaned out to idaho where I actually could settle in mm-hmm. and I was like there the rest of the year. I didn't get called up again. And mm-hmm. probably in a lot of ways that saved my career because right. the game just took off. And I finally got into a little bit of a routine where I could feel comfortable and like confident about myself and kind mm-hmm. of the situation I was in. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like that pro lifestyle, especially when you're trying to break in at the start can be, extremely mentally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of guys who go through it, um, if you can kind of get through it without like giving up or getting yeah. too frustrated, like it usually helps you out in the long run. But a lot of guys too, I mean, it causes them to kind of just like, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. Oh yeah, for sure. They kind of lose their love for the game yeah. because they, they feel like they don't belong anywhere. Right. You're trying to find your place, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Well, we kind of touched on it and, and, you know, I was just going to, you know, get into the beginning of your pro career, but you know, that was probably the, you know, the, the hardest part about coming into pro was just kind of, um, building your reputation and finding a home and, and uh, finding your place in the pro world. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think leaving college, as you know, I mean, turning pro, I thought was a shock, especially, I mean, I remember going to Rangers training camp and then getting sent down to Hartford's camp. And then you get sent down to the East coast league camp. So you've just done three training camps and you're finally, yeah. like, okay, <laughs> this is where I'm going to kind of be. And it was just so, it was so drastically different mm -hmm. from everything we did at CC, as far as like your routine, the guys you're around, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You felt like you were actually like in school, like really a part of something. Yeah. Um, that was maybe a little bit bigger than yourself. It wasn't, didn't just feel like a stopgap. Yeah. Where I think for uh, my first year pro, I think that was probably the hardest part was more the culture around the whole thing where it's like, hey, this is like people's jobs now. Like this is yeah. livelihoods on the line. It's like, yeah, we're, we're a part of a team, but everyone's kind of looking out for themselves as well because they're trying to climb the ladder. Um, so I think that was a, definitely an adjustment and then mm -hmm. just kind of like trying to reestablish your, your routine yeah. of the whole thing of like different practice schedule. You don't have class anymore. How are you filling your time? Mm. Um, was a big adjustment, um, at the start for me, for sure. After being so regimented for four years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And I guess for kids looking to, to play pro one day, um, you know, what do you think is the most valuable skill that kids should start learning today? Or, or what do you think some important advice to prepare them for that? And, and maybe you can kind of detail how you got over that first year too. uh, you know, uh, trying to find your way. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it kind of goes back to like, you really have to want to do it. Like, yeah, you can't just have your toe dipping in the water. Like you gotta be all in on it. You gotta be mm -hmm. all in on, Hey, like this is what I want to do. Like I will do whatever it takes. Like no one's going to kind of get in my way type attitude mm -hmm. because it's going to be tough. Like you're going to have to grind. You're going to have to have grit. Um, if you're soft in any way, like I feel like the game will, just will eat you alive, right? And spit you out. <laughs> and I think a lot of it too, like the biggest realization that I think some guys get to, um, once they hit pro, is they probably don't respect how good everyone is. Right. Right they out kinda, of the, you, you know, know what like I mean? you mentioned it, the entitlement, right? Yeah. Like I know for me. Um, I would have started off as number six on the Rangers depth chart for sure. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into camp and I was like, okay, I'm going to do great. I'm going to be in the American hockey league for sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to be in the NHL like in two years, whatever. And then I think like that first time you get kicked in the mouth where you're like, oh, like all these guys. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Even the guys, like maybe you're on an NHL contract and there's guys who are just on an ECHL contract. Like those guys are all really good too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like understanding it's like, Hey, like there's a ton of good goalies out here that a want your job and B are going to probably work harder or just as hard as you. It's like, what are you going to do that separates yourself to make sure yeah. that you're the one who gets signed 
um, before someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think honestly, respecting the game and kind of having that understanding is like, Hey, like everyone's good now. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be a grind. Like you have to have that mindset. Otherwise it's going to be over before you know it. It's almost like you got to respect the culture of pro hockey too. Right. Cause like you said, um, you know, it's so different, right? But when you get there, if you don't buy in, you're gone, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, and maybe you can touch on that a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think just because everyone's so good and everyone's waiting for their opportunity, right? Like mm-hmm. we talked about opportunity. I mean, there's guys who, I mean, you see it all the time. They work their way up from the coast, to the NHL. And then there's guys who work their way down or there's everyone's played with guys who were like dominant in juniors or college. And you're like, man, that guy was an absolute stud in college. Like how is he playing in the SP or something? (laughs) And you see it all the time. And I mean, a lot of it comes down to work ethic. A lot of it is guys. I think a, they don't either. They don't want to, or they're not willing to, put in the work that some of the other guys are, you know what I mean? And then there's guys who just kind of steadily climb the ranks, you know what I mean? Who they just keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better. And next thing you know, you're like, well, how's that guy in the NHL? You know right. what I mean? And Absolutely. you're like, and you hear them talk about, they're like, I was just willing to stick with it and work and mm-hmm. stick with my game. And um, it just eventually happened for them. Like it's almost a war of attrition. <laughs> right. In a lot of ways, more than anything, like who's, who's willing to stick with it the longest, who's willing to like keep working for that opportunity, even though you may not know when it's coming Mm -hmm. um, type scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And then in 2009, 10, you know, you made your NHL debut, uh, which obviously must've been electric considering, you know, you said you kind of went through that grind of your first year and worked your way up and, and I'm sure it was nerve wracking and exciting all at the same time. Uh, but maybe you could just detail to everyone all the work that went into getting that debut and, and what surprised you the most about the NHL level when you got there. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a dream come true just even to play in one game. Um, obviously, I would like to stick around longer, but um, it, was, it was awesome. I mean, for me, I mean, knowing kind of how I worked for my first year pro to the second mm-hmm. year, like just kind of working my way up the depth chart a little bit. Um, I thought I earned it for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every, every step of the way. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and it was a great experience to be honest. Like a lot of that game, um, I went in in relief of Lundquist. It was just a situation where we down to nothing after the first period in Montreal. And I mean, I kind of thought a little bit, I was like, okay, we're down to rip. Maybe if they get one quick or something, like maybe start getting my mind right a little bit. Right. And sure enough, boom, boom, they score like two more goals right away in the second period. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Montreal, you're sitting in the tunnel. And I just remember Tortorella um, no the head coach. He just kind of like pointed at me and yeah. then pointed at the net. And our equipment manager in Hartford the year before, he was now the assistant with the Rangers. He just kind of looked at me and we both kind of smiled. And we just like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was kind of it. But like... To be honest, you don't really have any time to think, especially in that situation. It's probably right. a perfect situation to have happen because, I mean, we're already getting beat. Expectations probably aren't that high. Right. Um, 
and it just happens so suddenly where you can't even think about it. You just right. go yeah, and and play, you're just like, okay, here we go. Yeah, your adrenaline is your adrenaline's rolling. Um, yeah. And I think you just kind of enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. So what, what surprised you the most, I guess, when you got in the cage? Um, to be honest, like it wasn't the speed or anything like that. I think if you talk to any goalie, like things just happen the way they're supposed to in the NHL, I feel like. Right. Like, That's a good way to put it. Well, like guys are so good at doing their jobs. Um, you can like trust everybody as far as like what they're going to do and make the right play where um, that was always, I thought the biggest um, challenge was the East Coast League because things just didn't happen normally or plays that you think were automatic didn't happen and um, just more scoring chances, more breakdowns where I thought like um, in the NHL, things almost just happened the way hockey was supposed to happen. You know right. what I mean? Like, Absolutely. yeah, the shots are better. It's faster, but everyone's in the right position. They're doing what they're supposed to. Um, it was, there's was almost just like a smoothness to it where you could just like really read the play and like mm. break it down. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. It was a cool experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And after a few years here in North America, you decided to make the transition over to Europe, uh, playing in some of the top leagues there. And during your time over in Europe, you racked over, racked up over 250 games, winning a championship and three goaltender of the year awards in a row. Uh, and I'm sure lots of memories to last a lifetime, but maybe you can just start out with your, your longstanding tenure, you know, being a top goaltender in some of the best leagues in the world. Um, and maybe you can just let us know, like, what's, what's your mentality, you know, how do you approach the challenge and how do you tackle that every year to be a, a top contender of the, you know, the goalie of the year award? What does it take? Yeah. I mean, going to Europe was honestly, it was something I always wanted to do. It maybe yeah. happened a little sooner than I would have liked, but I think for where I was my last year in the American hockey league, the way the year went, just how mentally taxing it with it was, it was the right time for me to go. I needed a change. Yeah. Um, I needed to get my mind right. And, and I think I just needed to enjoy it again a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I actually thought like once I got to Europe, it was more of a college feel in the sense that you signed your contract, you're there, you're on the team. You're not going right. to necessarily a training camp. You're not worried about really getting cut. Like you still have to perform and live up to your end of the uh, yeah, contract, but it, there wasn't like guys almost breathing down your neck where I felt like it was the first time playing pro where I could just really enjoy it and enjoy yeah. where I was. I knew I wasn't going to be moving around um, and I could just be there for the year. Um, and it was awesome. I loved it. Like anyone who has the opportunity to play overseas, I strongly recommend it. But to be honest, I thought um, my first year in Italy, um, huge wake up call. Obviously everything's completely different. You're dealing with like different budgets um <laughs> yeah, for sure different expectations, you know what i mean like you're bringing yeah. your own towels you're bringing your own soap like just little things like that that you take right. for granted in europe like or in north america like it actually like drives some guys crazy and they can't handle it where for mm -hmm. me i mean i was lucky enough to have a couple older guys um who had been in europe for a long time and they basically the first week we were there, they told me, they're like, hey, Matt, like anything that you know about pro hockey in North America or any expectations you have, he's like, forget them. They're all out <laughs> the window. This is going to be a completely different experience for you. Yeah. Like just open mind on everything. Um, and you're going to have the best time of your life. And I thought that was the best 
advice I had. And I think it allowed me to like reset my expectations as far as like, um, what I wanted to get out of the whole experience. Right. Um, and I think my first year in Italy, like I learned a lot, like playing for Balzano, those guys had all been, um, on that team for, I mean, probably since they were in high school, a lot of them, they all grew up together. Um, they'd all won like multiple championships together. Like they're just absolute winners in every Mm -hmm. step of the way. And, um, I think they're the guys that actually taught me how to become a winner. Mm. Um, and like how to kind of carry myself, like the expectations that, um, they had for themselves, um, was contagious. And I think that that definitely carried me through my whole, um, my whole European experience. I think why I was able to have a decent amount of success was just like being around, being around those guys and like kind of learning from them, seeing how they carried themselves, um, and just how they were just like, they were contagious winners. They won constantly Mm -hmm. every year. Um, even when they moved up to, um, the EBL at the time, like everyone was doubting them and they win the league their, their first year. And it's like, everyone would always ask, they're like, well, what's going on with Bolzano? I was like, man, like, just trust me. They just win. Like they just have that culture about them that, it's an expectation. It's a contagious and everyone who comes there, who is an import just kind of has to fall in line with a little bit. And if you don't, you're probably not going to be there very long. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can dive into your championship in the Italian league in, in 2012. And, you know, for goalies out there looking to be champions or, or win goalie of the year awards on route to being champions, you know, um, what's some advice you have for younger goaltenders to, to help uh, them better reach those goals consistently, consistently one day. And then just regarding, you know, your comments with Balzano, like what was probably the biggest thing you learned or took away from that experience that, you know, was, was really showed you how to be a winner. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, it was just like the teammates we had, like those, the guys there, I want to say they won, like they're the second winningest sports team in Italian sports besides Juventus for soccer. They've won the most championships. I want to say they've won like 18 or 19 Italian championships. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like, I didn't know that either. (laughs) And until I got there and I thought one of the things, like if you're going to Europe, like the best advice I could give to anyone is like embrace the locals as Mm. far as like, like the guys, the local guys, like don't just chum with the imports, like get to know the locals because some of those guys are now like the best friends I have. And I think it just Mm -hmm. made the experience so much better because you're going to dive into the culture more. You're going to get into your, come out of your comfort zone more. And you're just going to like, have a blast with the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think those guys like just kind of being around them and seeing their expectations as far as like, Hey, like, a lot of them know that when you first get there, you're probably not that excited to be maybe in the Italian hockey league. Yeah. You sure. know what I mean? It's definitely, I mean, I was lucky Balzano, we were the highest budget, but it's like, it's not one of those leagues you maybe envision you're at. Um, and I remember just talking to some of the local guys and there's like, Hey, like we know where you're coming from. We know you're coming from the American hockey league, but like, here's our expectation here. Yeah, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's like, we don't care 
where you played. Like you need to come here. You need to respect the league. You need to respect the team. And we're going to like win a lot of games yeah. and we're all going to have an awesome time doing it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they couldn't have been more right. But as far as like kids coming up through it and like, I would say winning is one of the hardest things to kind of do and learn. But like once you experience it, it almost becomes like addictive as far as like, Hey, like now I know what it takes maybe before you thought you did, but now that you've know, and you've actually done it, I don't want to say it becomes easier, but it, it just becomes something where you're like, your confidence gets higher. You're like, I've Mm. done this before. Um, I can handle any adversity. I know Mm. there's ups and downs. There's going to be games we win that we shouldn't. There's going to be games we lose that we shouldn't, whatever, Mm. where you just kind of are able to manage the emotions and the the highs and lows that come with a playoff series that maybe you couldn't before because you didn't really understand how you were going to get through it until you did it. Um, and I think being around winners who kind of have that experience helped me drastically. Like, I don't think I would have, um, had the success I did in Europe if I didn't sign with Balzano for sure. I taught you a lot there. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess despite, you know, all the success you've had looking back your entire career, what's probably the biggest adversity you faced and how exactly did you overcome it? Oh man, I feel like there's been so much on the way, but I mean, honestly, for me, I remember like having a conversation with my goalie coach, like I, um, the Rangers didn't want me back. It would have been my third year. I was always on one year contracts. I was never like someone who had like multi years or a big, highly touted, um, draft pick or whatever like that. Um, so I remember after my third year, I knew I wasn't getting resigned and kind of talking with my goalie coach, um, Jared Wayman, who would be a great guest for you guys as well. And sitting down with him just so over beers and just like, Hey, like, am I really going to go to Europe right now? Am I really going to sign in sign with Italy? And I remember just having that conversation. He's like, well, Matt, like what are your other options? And yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, I don't have any. <laughs> so it was kind of a situation where it was like, all right, so I'm going to go down this European path now. Like, what do I want to get out of it? Cause there's a lot of stories of guys going over to Europe who are maybe good North American careers and you see them getting fired right away or yeah. they just can't handle it. Um, I think that was the biggest challenge for me. It was like, all right, well now, now what's my goal? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm not chasing the NHL anymore. Right. Like now, now what am I trying to get out of this whole experience? Um, I think that was probably the, some of the biggest adversity I had because you're, you grow up your whole life kind of pushing for this one singular goal where it's like, I'm trying to make the NHL, trying to make the NHL. And then all of a sudden it stops. And I think I was like 28 at the time, maybe. And it's like, well, all I've ever really known is hockey. Like now, what am I going to get out of this? Right. You know? So just kind of like resetting um, your expectations and your mindset was like the biggest challenge for me, I think before leaving Europe and, um, kind of the last, probably I'd say the second half of my career, the last five years was just like mm-hmm. super mentally taxing because, um, a, your obviously your dreams over 
it's super hard to come back yeah, um, for sure. to North America once you've kind of left. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only that, but now you're going to a new country. You don't know the language. You are in a completely different environment. You have no idea what the expectations are. You don't even know really what kind of quality of the hockey you're going to be playing. Right. Um, and trying to like wrap your head around all this stuff while kind of shutting the door on your childhood dream was like the hardest thing probably for me to deal with for probably I'd say two months. Yeah. So what did, what did you turn your focus to? You, you mentioned that you got to kind of change your expectations. So you obviously had amazing success there. So yeah. maybe you can just share with everybody kind of that mental shift that you made exactly. Yeah. I think I remember just like sitting down one night. I can't remember who I was talking to, but um, you know, you see your buddies who are still in North America playing and guys getting called up and down. And I think that mm-hmm. was like the biggest thing too. Like that first, uh, that first year is like your dreams over, but you're watching all these other guys still going through it. And you kind of right. like, you miss that, you know what I mean? You miss yeah. being in it. But I think for me, it was just, um, a, I was like, I'm going to dive right into the culture of everything. And I'm just going to make sure I have an awesome experience. A, I want to be a good teammate. I want to make sure like I'm respecting the league, respecting the team. Um, because some of these guys, like, I mean, they've been growing up their whole life doing this and like the Italian hockey is super important to them. So it'd be disrespectful for me to kind of disrespect their league and everything like that. So I didn't want to be that guy. And I think at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be over here, I'm going to be, I think I remember saying to myself, it's like, well, if I'm here, like I'm going to be the Henrik Lundqvist of this league and I'm going to absolutely dominate so that there's (laughs) no doubt who the best guy is. Right. You know, and if that helps me maybe advance into a higher league, great. If it doesn't, oh well, because I'm just gonna come back and dominate it again. <laughs> it was kinda was kind of my mindset with the whole thing um when I got over there. Um and just yeah, I think it, it helped me dramatically. Once I made that switch, I think my game took off there. Yeah. You know what I mean, I think there was a moment at the start where I was maybe like uh, feeling sorry for myself a little bit. And then once I kind of switched that, it was like, all right, let's just, let's just make like go crazy on this league. Let's put up insane numbers. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like let's be the best guy this league's ever seen yeah. and just really enjoy it. And I, th- I think that for me was like what made it so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's chasing to be the best version of yourself basically, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into your coaching career, you know, at the next level, former division one coach with uh, Colorado college. And now your longstanding tenure uh, at the USHL level, but uh, you know, maybe you can finally just briefly dive into your specific three or four pillars you surround your goaltending and, and playing philosophy around and why you think they're so important. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been a little bit of a work in progress and it it's changed kind of, um, Change a little bit as I've got more experience with it, but yeah. uh, going into year five with with Tri City, I mean, I would say if you look at the goalies we've had there, everyone's little, been a little bit different, but yeah. we've had like similar principles as far as what we're trying to do. I mean, for myself, I, I like those guys who are obviously able to get east west, super patient. Um, I obviously come from the Ranger system with Ben Waller. Um, so he was a huge, um, huge influence on me and kind of ref, um, reforming my game from college. 
Um, so we do a lot of the similar stuff where it's just like, Hey, you got to be a good skater. You got to be able to beat passes East West. And then you got to be able to, to read the play. So I always tell the guys, I was like, Hey, your feet are your biggest asset. Um, if you can't get from point A to point B fast, so you can read the play and decipher what's going on. Now you're going to be late probably three or four times, which is going to lead to a little bit of chaos. It's going to be uncontrolled saves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where the whole thing falls, falls apart. So, yeah. um, yeah, just making sure those feet are good and you're beating passes all over the ice. I mean, depth for me isn't, isn't super important. You just have to be able to beat passes. Mm-hmm. So what some guys can play higher out, higher out. Other guys have to be back, but that's pretty much the number one staple and really the only rule <laughs> we have. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you kind of develop that with your guys and teach them that to, to be passes is just like you just work on skating or do you incorporate shots in certain drills and work? Like, how do you teach that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just a mindset. Like I think as kids advance from like midget hockey or AAA to juniors, I don't think sometimes they really understand like how fast the plays are happening and how hard they actually have to push if they, if they want to beat plays. And that just keeps getting faster um, as you keep advancing higher up. Um, So a lot of it is just the drills we do. Um, It's a lot of just, I mean, beating passes drill. We start off basically every single, every single drill with some sort of a beat to pass move, whether that's like replicating a a D to D pass, whether that's something maybe going below the goal line to the top of the circles in the dot lane. Hmm. Um, But a lot of it is just like an expectation. It's like, Hey, like the more time you give yourself to read the play, Mm -hmm. the more chance of success you're going to have. So if you're late or lazy kind of pushing out, well, that's like a split second that you just lost deciphering what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, and that sometimes is all, all it takes for a scoring chance to happen or for you to like give out a poor rebound as opposed to controlling mm-hmm. it. Um, so a lot of it is just basic footwork. We incorporate shots pretty much into everything we do just because mm-hmm. A, I don't want it to be boring. I think the guys get more excited when we have a puck involved right, in the drill. For sure. So we incorporate kind of all of our pre-shot movement um, with a simple shot, and then we just build off of everything. Mm-hmm. And then, and then another thing you mentioned was uh, patience. I think obviously, um, you know, we, we we talk about reading the play a lot on the show, but I'm I'm a big fan of patience as well. And I think that even in today's game, it's um, becoming uh, invaluable, right? Just because the shooters are, they make they're getting smarter. They make those kind of last minute dishes and stuff like that. And you know, the 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 day of oh, you know, just make the first save is kind of like. It, it, it was that like a, that was kind of the mentality like when when we were younger is that the goalie had to just make the first save but that's not the case anymore right yeah no it's like i mean you talk to anybody now the expectation isn't to stop the puck the expectation is to control the puck so it's yeah. like hey that's great you made the save but like what did you do with it did you create more work for yourself and the rest of your team mm. or was it a one and done situation where maybe their in-zone play um, became obsolete and we got like a zone exit or something like that. Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal and the expectation for for what we do with Tri-City is 
we want all of our all of our chances against to essentially be as one and done as much as possible. Right. So that means you're not creating extra work for yourself. Obviously it's not going to happen every time, but yeah. majority of the time we want you control the puck and put it in a safe spot. It's not just like stop it wherever the rebound goes, it goes. It's like mm. oh, you put it where you want it to go. You put it in a safe spot. So either we can retrieve it and we can get out of the zone, or maybe you put in a spot where we can get in a board battle, but like essentially the play is dead. Yeah. Um, is kind of the, the goal um, for what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you mentioned some, uh, you know, you've worked with a lot of goalies in Tri-City during your time. And I know you coach a handful of goalie of the year award winners, um, which is just spectacular com- accomplishment as a coach, obviously. But maybe you can just break down a couple of those guys and, and what exactly separates them from everyone else and what allows them to be, you know, such such top contenders and to be so succe- uh, successful. Yeah. So year one, I was really lucky. Um, we had Philip Larson. He was a Detroit draft pick. Um, he played at the university of Denver after he left us. Um, and Phil was probably the most advanced goalie that we've had there. Like I said, after he left, I was like, we'll never have a goalie like Phil again. Like he was, I remember, um, I was good friends with the CC goalie coach after I left. And he's like, what do you think about Phil Larson? I was like, Phil would be the starter for any team in the NCHC right now. Like he is yeah. he's not only the best goalie in the USHL right now, he's probably, he would be the best goalie in college hockey. Yeah. Like there were times when I would text the assistant coach watching the game and I'd be like, he might not give up another goal. Like he was, <laughs> he was so far ahead of probably where he was in the league at that time. Like he could have been in college hockey, but I mean, are you, are you referring to like technically speaking? I'm like talking technically I'm talking smarts. I'm talking like everything. Like he was just absolutely dominant that year. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of it with him was like strong skater, super explosive, he was amazing with his post work. Like he was a Swedish guy. So if you can imagine like how technical all these Swedish guys are who yeah. are now. So like really good on his posts, patience, like understood his coverage, just like all of the above. He had it. Um, yeah. How tall was he? Uh, I think Phil's like six, two, six, three. Yeah. Nice. Um, but he had it. He was having a special year that year. I want to say, mm-hmm. I don't know what the stats were exactly. They might've been like nine forty one. Like wow. regular season. Yeah. And there wow. were, like, there were literally stretches where I was shocked. He got scored on. Like <laughs> if he gave up a goal, I was like, we will still probably win <laughs> um, because he is, he was that good, but he, he was the total package, like skating ability, just like he understood like the pace he had to play with. He was mm. composed. He was patient. Um, I think a lot of it though, he was just like, he understood like his coverage of the net. So obviously the Swedish guys coming up like box control is a big thing. Right. He understood that to a T. He was just so smart with how how to frame the net. Basically he did that well. Yeah, he did that well. And I mean, he was just, he was lights out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then uh, did you, was it two or three? Goalie of the years. Um, we've had two. And then the next year we had Isaiah Seville. Savs is um, draft. He got drafted by uh, Vegas after that year. And he's um, at University of Nebraska, Omaha. 
two completely different goalies. Like Savs would be more of the the athletic type goalie, more like I don't want to say Jonathan Quick, but kind of had a little more flow to his game as far yeah. as like the rushes would come in. He probably started off like a few feet above the crease. He would retreat back um, and have some flow with the rush. Um, unbelievable east-west, um, superb athlete, very flexible, um, but like two completely different goal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we were doing with Savs was just trying to get him to take a little flow out of his game and almost like, Hey, just be back a little bit more, like let the rush come. So you're not mm-hmm. like going back with it, just keep it in front of you. So now you can kind of process and just be able to beat passes East West more. But I mean, he was having such a good year too that year where it was for those two guys, it was more like just managing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure we're giving them the, the drills they want, making sure their confidence is sky high because they were they're both playing so well that it was like, hey, just keep it going. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Let's not change too much. Let's like throw in some ideas, but like not really um, do anything crazy, um, and just kind of let them take over. And they they both did. Like they both. I mean. I can't remember what Sav save percentage was, but he had to been close to a nine thirty two or something like that. Nice, yeah. That year as well, but I mean, two completely different goalies, um, no question, and both like outstanding um, in their own right. Yeah, yeah, and then I guess you know, finally having coached at the next level for so long now, uh, and obviously played at the next level too. You know, what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions amongst, you know, minor hockey goalies, coaches, and parents about getting to the next level or, you know, what it takes to get to the next level and have a serious career as a goaltender? Yeah, I think first and foremost is just not being in a rush. Um, Like, there's only so many spots available. And I think just making sure you're almost over ready for for your opportunity. Absolutely. I mean... A, in the USHL, like there's a lot of kids who are coming from U16 that like, oh, I want to play in the USHL. I want to play in the USHL next year. It's like, hey, that's great. And we know that's the end goal. But at the end of the day, you need to be playing. Like yeah. you need to be developing. You got to be playing. You got to get in as much game experience as you can because mm-hmm. that's going to help you in the long run. So I'd say the biggest thing is is don't be in a rush. Um. And then I think a lot of things too at the youth level is try not to overcoach the kids. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for me, obviously technique's important, but a lot of what you see at the youth level is like a lot of the kids are they're almost over technical where they've lost some of their instincts or they've lost some of that ability to problem solve right. because we've like um overcoach them and kind of put everything in a vacuum where it's like, Hey, this happens here. This happens here. Shot happens. Okay. If you get scored on, they almost think it's not a big deal. Um, So I think kind of a letting them like, Hey, yes, give them the foundation, give them the tools, but like don't overdo it where Mm -hmm. they are not able to break from that and almost think for themselves a little bit, find their own identity. Right. Exactly. Because if, when I look at, the goalies in the NHL right now who I think are super elite, like the Vasilevskis, all these Russians coming through, like they're all structured, but they're also all freak athletes who yeah. when things fall apart and pucks hit whatever and 
plays break down, like they can still make these crazy saves because they're able to break from that structure and they're able, they have instincts and they're just like, honestly willing to do whatever they need to, to keep it out where I feel like we've lost some of that in probably um, the minor hockey world a little bit. Yeah, no, I love that, Matt. Well, you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, appreciate you guys having me on. It was definitely fun to be, um, fun to be a part of it. Love talking goaltending. Um, could talk all day with about, um, just different things, different concepts or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is just enjoy the ride too. You know what I mean? Like, I know you for you or myself, like you're going through it. You think it's never going to end. And then next thing it does. Um, so like just enjoy every step of the process. Cause there's like really nothing like it when you're going through it and you don't really realize how special it is until it's over. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. And something I always say in the show is that everybody's, you know, everybody plays hockey cause they think, you know, hockey's about the destination, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey you go through and the growth you experience personally and the places you get to go and the little moments of bailing your guys out and building camaraderie and, and you know, winning games you shouldn't, stuff like that. Those are the things that you really remember along the way. And if you don't appreciate those things, that you kind of regret it when it's all said and done, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of kids like that kind of go through it, like, you almost live and breathe off of every goal you give up or something like that. But like, I mean, for guys who are retired now, like myself, like (laughs) once it's over, you quickly understand that none of the goals you gave up really mattered. It's all, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, it it didn't matter. It's all like the friendships you make going through it. It's the funny stories, you know? And I think the biggest compliment that you can probably get when it's all said and done after you're done is like, Hey, he was an awesome teammate. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like if that's the compliment you're going to get when you're done, I think you've had a successful career. Yeah. Yeah. And I I couldn't agree more, man. And and thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. I know you're busy with your own stuff and uh, you're on the, you're at mountain time on the West coast, but just really appreciate you coming on and share all the lessons and and secrets you have uncovered throughout your career. And I know everyone today is just going to love the conversation, man. So you can just let where uh, people know where they can get in touch with you online. Yeah. I mean, you can follow us. Our uh, Instagram handle is at MTN high hockey. Um, we got a YouTube page, same thing with uh, myself and uh, Cody Lample. He's um, one of my good friends, business partners over in Europe playing in the German league right now. Um, probably the two best spots to find us or you just send me an email if you want. It's Matt at Mount I hockey. If you guys have any questions kind of about the path, um, what it takes to get to the next level, get that exposure, whatever you want. Um, feel free to email me as well. Yeah, right on. So go check out Matt Zaba with Mountain High Hockey and the Tri-State Storm. And all the mentioned links will be available in the show notes for everyone to check out. And he's experienced tons of success at the next level for over 20 years now and uh, still going strong. I know he's got an incredibly bright future ahead of him, but maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, dude, if that's something that interests you. Yeah, anytime you, anytime you want, I'll be here. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Good luck as we roll into the summer. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. All right, sounds good. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to smash that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show 
in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have another awesome active goal to, uh, college goaltender coming on the show, and that's Drew Comesso, former NTDP standout, now turned true freshman at BU. And we give a, a recently drafted this last October by the Chicago Blackhawks, and we give a super deep dive in his time at the National Development Program, an inside look uh, of what the day-to-day looked like during his two years there. The biggest takeaways he learned there and his first impressions of college hockey as a true freshman. And uh, Drew is an amazing kid. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one, so make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.